Well, good morning to y'all. Uh, it's good that um, Randy has got y'all primed up this morning, y'all talking, because I'd, I'd like that to continue. Um, we want to think about anger this morning, and this was um, pulled together on a little bit of a short notice with Kendall's going to that funeral, but I figured that uh, also since... Um, Anger a lot of times happens on a pretty short notice that maybe this would work out, <clears throat> work out well for this Sunday. So is anybody mad this morning? <clears throat> well, if you are, you've come to the right place. Or is there anybody here that's never had a problem with anger? Uh, I guess you can be excused. <laughs> I don't see anybody leaving. So I, I don't near all, have all the answers on this subject, but you know maybe we can look at scriptures, we can think, and we can share a little light. We get a little light on it this morning. So if um, if somebody would tell me, I don't think I've ever had anybody tell me this. If they would tell me that uh, I have never had a problem with anger, I would think one or two things. One that they were lying between their teeth, and the other is that they must be majorly abnormal because it seems like we are, um, there's something about the way we're put together, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Even the most um, righteous people, you know, have a temper. Uh, you know, hopefully it stays under control most of the time. But it's there. Uh, you remember the, the the Quakers of years ago? You're reading about the Quakers, and they were very mild people. And they were, um, you know, they wouldn't hurt anybody. I came across this story about this Quaker guy, and he had a um, very cantankerous cow that just was always ornery and aggravated him. And so he came into Milker one day, and he... Um, the first thing she did was stepped on his foot. And then the next thing she did is swatted him in her face with her tail. And then she kicked over the milk bucket when he was about half done. And he still hadn't lost his cool. He still was hanging in there. And he finally got done and he got up to leave. And then she kicked him across the room. <laughs> and that was the last straw. And he got up and he said, uh, um, well, let me just read what he said so I get it right. That did it. He stood to his feet, marched in front of his cow, stared into those big eyes, and as he shook a long bony finger in her face, he shouted, Thou dost know that I am a Quaker. Thou dost know that I cannot strike thee back, but I can sell thee to a Presbyterian. <laughs> so uh, we have our ways, don't we? Uh, with anger. <clears throat> so let's read our, the, the two scriptures I gave for a text. Let's read those just to give us, we, we always want, uh, a foundation to start from. <clears throat> the first one is James 1, 19 and 20. <clears throat> this you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear 
slow to speak and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. You notice the ratio there. Slow on one, on hearing and speaking. No. Quick on hearing. Slow on speaking in anger. That's, that's the ratio. And then the other one was uh, from Ephesians 4. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. I think some translations say a foothold. So let's let those two scriptures settle in our minds uh, to give us a basis for everything else we're going to say. So what is anger anyway? The definition I found, it's a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. And would you agree with me that anger is a natural, a naturally occurring emotion? Like I said, I've never run across a person that, that doesn't have some of that. But if you met a person that you could poke and you could prod and you could insult, and maybe even smack him in the face, and he made no response at all, what would you think? I would think that there's there's something missing in, in the makeup of that person. <clears throat> so the scriptures are full of verses that talk about God being angry. And Jesus got angry at times. I'll read you a uh, one instance here. Out of Mark 3, Jesus had gone into a synagogue and there was a man there with a withered hand and this was the Sabbath day and so everyone was watching him to see if he would heal on the Sabbath day because they wanted to accuse him. They actually wanted him to do it so they could accuse him. And so... uh, Jesus knew all that, but he said to the man with the withered hand, get up and come forward. And he said to them, is it lawful to do, to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? To save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. And here's the verse we want. After looking around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of heart, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately began conspiring with the Herodians against him as to how they might destroy him. Now, I'll read a little bit of the same account out of Luke. It was a little little different detail. Luke doesn't mention Jesus being angry. He says, I ask you, is it lawful to do good or harm on the Sabbath, to save life or destroy it? And he healed the man. But then listen to what it says about the Pharisees and the rulers. It says, but they themselves were filled with rage and discussed together what they might do with Jesus. So Jesus was angry, and then the uh, scribes and the Pharisees were angry. 
Jesus' anger, of course, justified, and um, the scribes and Pharisees were not. <clears throat> so this thing about uh, anger being a naturally occurring emotion, and where did we get this and so on, the scripture says we're created in the image of God. So what does this mean? I uh, don't think it means that we look like God physically because God is a spirit. But I, I think one thing it means that we have, I haven't thought about this long, so if, if you um, have some other thought, please tell me. Isn't it true that we, if being created in the image of God would mean that we have the same range of emotions that God has? That, um, you know, we're somewhat made up. You know, we're not anywhere close to God. Don't, don't get me wrong. Uh, but God can love. God can hate. You know, all those emotions God has. And wouldn't you say we've been created in that same image? <clears throat> I think so. Now, I want you to um, help me out here. You can answer the question this way. What makes you angry? Or what, if you don't want to get that personal and admit to it, um, you can answer the question this way. What causes anger in people? So I'm going to wait here for feedback. What causes anger in people or what makes you angry? What are the things that that bring out the anger in us or in people? Telling an untruth about somebody. Yes, that'll do it. That'll do it for me. (laughs) When things don't go the way we want them to. Uh, that would match the one I had here on uh, unmet needs or expectations. We're thinking one thing and something else happens. There's got to be a few more. Fear. That's one of the first things on my list here. Um. At least it can, it can trigger an outburst that certainly looks like anger. If you don't understand the, I'll give you a couple examples. One was a story I heard about my grandpa, and he was an Amishman, but Amishmen need a haircut once in a while, too. And my grandma would cut his hair, and he would act like he was asleep. You know, it was kind of relaxing. You know, I don't, I don't know if they use electric. Uh, they had electricity, but I don't know if she was using that or uh, some other kind of clippers. But anyway, he would act like he was asleep. And so she's trimming away, and he's peacefully sleeping, supposedly. And all of a sudden, he goes, Rawr! like that. And so she whacks him on the head with the clippers. <laughs> and uh, I don't think she was angry. I think it was a reaction. Uh to that fright. And uh, I wonder if I didn't inherit a little bit of that. I remember one time, years ago, we lived at the sawmill house. And uh, <clears throat> it was a Sunday morning. 
And as usual, I was running late getting ready for church. Um, Mary and Alexis was living with us at the time. I can't remember where Myron was. I don't remember him being there. But anyway, they said we're going to, they were ready. We were going to start out walking and then, you know, I can pick them up. And so I race around at top speed, getting ready to go. And as just as I go out the door, they decided not to walk after that. And they were hiding right there. And they roared at me like that. And I screamed and I threw the car keys across the yard. <laughs> and uh, I wasn't ang- angry, but just in that split second of fear, um, you know, caused that reaction. And I think there's a, a deeper uh, type of fear that I want to talk about, too. But I'm going to let you say whatever you want to say yet. Injustice. Does injustice make you angry? It makes me furious. <laughs> I uh, actually, I used to... Um, keep up with the news a lot and I I don't hardly anymore I do know what's going on in Israel and um, so on but when I look at the injustices in the world it just upsets me and makes me angry inside and I just find I'm, I'm better off just letting some of that go I can't fix it um you know, like like take the war in Ukraine, for instance. Um, since the war, I looked this up last night. Since the war started, the U.S. has given Ukraine $75 billion in aid. So add that to what Russia spent. Add that to what Ukraine spent. Doesn't it just <laughs> What if all that effort, all that money could have been spent in humanitarian things, things that would help people live better, that would feed people that barely have enough to food on their table. And it just makes you, you know, want to wring Putin's neck is the way it makes me feel. Um, so, yeah, injustice, whether it's on a, that huge of a scale or just a small scale. Injustice makes us angry, and maybe it should. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Anything else? Okay. You you can be mad at yourself, can't you? That's uh, <laughs> some of us have spent some of our life being in that. <laughs> so. But we don't want to stay there either. God forgives, you know. We can make restitution if we need to. Um, yeah. What else? Okay, one thing I thought of is neglect. Now, this one might be a delayed reaction. All right, take, for instance, this example. Let's say there's a person that was neglected as a child, had a, had a poor childhood, not abuse, 
I guess neglect is abuse, can be, but just neglected. And then they, then they grow up and they're now an adult. They have children of their own and they see how they feel about their children, what they want for their children. They look back and say, Oh, I didn't, I didn't have anything like that in my childhood. I was neglected. And then so they re- began to realize what all they missed out on. And that can cause anger. Trauma. A child that has been through trauma, or an adult too, I guess, can look like they're throwing a wild temper tantrum, and it may just be a fear-based post-traumatic stress reaction to the trauma that's built up in there. And, of course, we need to teach our children how to respond properly to things. But we also need to be understanding about what's going on inside of them and um, keep that in mind. Anybody ever get angry at the devil? Best talked about when we do something wrong when we sin. Uh, sometimes it, I mean, that, that makes us angry, and it probably should. But actually our anger should mostly be uh, focused towards the one who caused us sin in the first place. It should be focused toward toward the evil one and not necessarily the sinner because the sinner is trapped you know, by the evil one. Anything else you want to add? That's kind of my list. You got most of what I had on it. Yeah, feel like you're trapped in this box that you can't get out of. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's spend a little time. Um, I won't turn to all these. I've just got them written in here. About God's anger. We're going to look at God's anger and then we're going to look at our anger and then we're going to talk about some things. Now when God feels anger, it's, it's always justified, right? God is the one and only. He's the one who makes the rules. Uh, when he feels anger, he has a good reason for it and it's justified. Psalm 711 says, <clears throat> God is angry with the wicked every day. And we've been reading lately in our readings through the, the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and we're now in Ezekiel. And <clears throat> over and over and over, it talks about God's anger there. And I just pulled a verse out from Ezekiel 20. says, I resolved to pour out my wrath on them. To accomplish my anger against them. In Hebrews 3, it says, 
For whom was he angry for 40 years? It was with those children of Israel that he had to lead around the wilderness that all died during those 40 years. And then in Hebrews 4, I swore in my wrath that they will never enter into my rest. And then <clears throat> we already read the scriptures in uh, Mark and Luke where Jesus was angry when he looked around at the crowd. So have we established that there, there, there may be a place for anger that could actually, at least anger that's short-lived? Um, wouldn't you say... I have this down somewhere else, but I'll say it now. If, if you, if you think about abortion, uh, and you dwell on it, and if it, if you have no reaction, and you say, oh well, is that, is that, is that the way you should feel? Or shouldn't you feel something rising up within you that, you know, this, this really makes me angry that these innocent young lives are being snuffed out. So, I think there's a place for that feeling. But let's, on the heels of that, let's be quick to say that anger has a very slippery slope. And, uh, back to those, that verse in Ephesians, it says that anger can very easily Give the devil an opportunity, you know, if we stay there. So let's look at some verses on the anger of man now. <clears throat> Starts way back in Genesis. It says, Cain became very angry. And it was an anger that didn't stop when the sun went down. I don't know how many days he brooded over this. And who was, who was Cain? Where should his anger have been, uh, directed? Somebody tell me. I mean, he shouldn't have been angry to start with. He should have just mended his ways and. It's not a trick question. Okay, himself. <laughs> but if if uh, if he was going to get angry, he should have got angry at God. I mean, God was the one that was displeased and said, "I'm not happy with your sacrifice." Well, then why did he go kill Abel? Just because Abel was doing the right thing. Uh, yeah, he should have been angry with himself. But he took his anger out on Abel. Proverbs 22 says, do not associate with a man given to anger. So if you're given to anger, that means it's something that happens often. And a man that's often angry is bad news. And if it's us, we, we have a real problem. Proverbs 29 says, a fool always loses his temper, but a wise man holds it back. Another translation says, a fool gives full vent to his anger. So when a wise man holds it back, does that mean he feels nothing? 
I don't think so. I think we're talking here about a temper lost or a temper kept. It doesn't mean you don't have a temper. It just means you know how to keep it and not lose it. Proverbs 16 says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. I'm, you know, I'm thinking back about, um, like old school days and, uh, you know, kind of the impression I got looking on the way, the way the boys got along was, you know, if you were going to be the tough guy in the <clears throat> whatever, you know, you had to be the one to defend yourself quickly. And, you know, punch the other guy first. And, um, but that's not, that's not true. Uh, the, the man who's slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit can control himself is better than someone who can capture a whole city. And I thought about the kings of old. They seem to specialize in rage. I read back through the story of uh, Daniel's three friends, when they wouldn't bow to that image. <clears throat> and King Nebuchadnezzar got furious. And, you know, he said, heat that oven seven times hotter. And he was in a rage. Well, we all know that you, you can't, you can't think rationally when you're in that, that frame of mind. I thought of Saul. He had the spells with anger. <clears throat> and uh, harbored anger, anger you dwell on, you let set in there, leads us to react to excess and do things we would never have done in our right minds. Like Saul got angry at his own son, Jonathan, because Jonathan was defending David. And Saul got so angry that he threw his spear at his own son. Something you'd never do in your right mind. So as we've seen so far, the anger of man is not a, is not a pretty picture. It's led to the ruin of many lives. I read a account of a I'm not into operas, okay, but there's, uh, there were two men that, that, uh, I forget how many operas they did together. One wrote the words, one wrote the music, and they, together they were brilliant, but they couldn't get along. Uh, something had offended, um, there was some offense between the two, and they wouldn't speak for many years. And so, the one guy would write the words, and then he would mail them to the other guy, and the other guy would write the music, and they, they never spoke for, I don't know, 15 or 20 years. And yet they made these great operas. It's sad that, you know, this happens in families sometimes. Uh, people aren't speaking, haven't spoke for years. And it's because of uh, this harbored anger. <clears throat> Now, one thing, uh, all these verses I've noticed, and when a man's given to anger, a wise man holds it back. Uh, 
He who is slow to anger. Uh, you ladies do know that you're not off the hook just because all this is written in male language, okay? <clears throat> There's another thing that needs to be said here. And so far we've thought of anger as being expressed like in an explosive outburst or unkind words or maybe even a physical blow. There's another kind of anger that's more subtle, but it's still anger. And it's called passive aggressive anger. In this, in this case, it, it might just be the silent treatment that you give someone. You, you know, without saying any words, you might, you're, you may be saying, I'm angry with you, so I'll just ignore you. Act like you don't exist. <clears throat> or maybe some comments made that they're not loud and angry comments but they have this little subtle bite uh, about something so this kind of anger is probably just as destructive in relationships as uh, you know sometimes the loud angry physical confrontation can blow up and then um uh, actually Seems like I'm not, I'm not advocating by any means, but can, you know, then the air can be cleared and then uh, they can be friends again. So let's sort through some of our thoughts so far about anger. When it may be right and when it is definitely wrong. And how do we decide? <clears throat> One statement I have, and would this be a true statement? We should be angry about the things that make God angry. Is that true or not? Not any feedback. Alex says yes. I think I agree with him. Anybody disagree? Now that's not saying we should go out and kill the abortion doctors or anything like that. But we should feel something inside us about the things that make God angry. If we see a child mistreated and don't feel anything, what, what's wrong with us? So maybe we need to ask ourselves our, this question when we feel something that's, that feels like anger. Is this a result of a personal insult or injury or is it, or is there, is our reaction uh, based on a, that's an, something that's an insult to God. This might be help us know whether the anger we're feeling is justified or whether it's it's something that goes against ourself and so we're angry. And I think our tendency is, as humans, uh, to be apathetic about the things that make God angry, but really involved with the things that make us angry on a personal level. When really it should be, it should be the other way around. So back to the verses in uh, Ephesians 4. You know, it seems to give a place for anger. It says, be angry and do not sin. And, uh, but then James says, the anger of man doesn't achieve the righteousness of God. One interesting thing I found that in Ephesians, um, 
Let me just read that verse again. There's actually a different Greek word for the two times that it uses the word anger. Uh, be angry, okay, that's one Greek word, and do not sin, do let, do not let the sun go down on your anger. And that's a different Greek word. And it seems like the second one is a deeper, um, more involved anger that's settled in on you. And, uh, that's what I could, that's what I seem to find. So here's another conclusion. Any anger should be Generally be short-lived. You know, most minor things can be taken care of by the time the sun goes down. Now, again, for the person that's been through trauma and is working through things, uh, we need to give them all the time they need to work through them. So now let's spend the rest of our few minutes. We're going to get done a little early today. We're going to spend some time thinking about what we can do to overcome wrong anger. You understand, I think, that there's a place for being angry about the things that make God angry. Even in that, what are we going to do with that? We're going to talk about that. But how can we overcome wrong anger? I read that Thomas Jefferson said that when you're angry, count to ten. If very angry, count to a hundred. And Mark Twain had a different take. Mark Twain wasn't a Christian. Mark Twain said, "Angry when angry count to four, and when very angry swear." So, you know, I think while giving some cooling off time is certainly good, I think there are better ways to talk about how to overcome wrong anger. And I wrote down some of my thoughts. I'll ask you for some of yours in a minute. One thing I think would help is that if we recognize that the world doesn't revolve around us. And if we can learn to live without that infant mortality, mentality, not mortality, mentality. You know, an infant, uh, can't you tell they, they think the world revolves around them? You know, whenever they have a need, they yell and, you know, somebody takes care of them. Well, the world doesn't revolve around us when we grow up. And uh, so we, we're going to have to get used to some uh, things not turning out the way we think and and so on. I think another thing that would help if we'd realize there's a certain amount of trouble and injustice in this fallen world And if we get upset and angry about every little case of that in our personal lives, we'll pretty much be an angry person all the time. There's always something there that's not going quite right. And um, let's expect some trouble. It's when we think we need to to have a walk in the park and then our life doesn't end up that way and then we get angry. I remember um, years ago, Donnie Jennings, some of you would know him, he told about, I think it was a couple of his uncles, and they farmed, and and uh, they did combining, 
And fortunately, our combine ran really well this year. Didn't have much trouble. But their combine had trouble. And he said when when the combine would break down, his uncles would get mad and they would throw their hat on the ground and stomp on it and throw wrenches and swear. And then he said after that, they had to go back and pick up their wrenches and still had to fix it. And he couldn't see that it... That's kind of Mark Twain's approach, you know? So let's just realize that things are going to break in this world, and we're, let's just plan on it. That That's part of the deal. I think one thing we need to realize is what is real trouble? Um, I read a story about a a guy, he was... He was going to school somewhere and they, uh, he got fed up with the meals and they were feeding him a couple hot dogs and sauerkraut every day for lunch, like for days in a row. And he got so mad and he went and blew off to, uh, this man. I forget what his title was, what he, what his job was, but this man was a German guy that had, um, lived in the concentration camps during World War II. And <laughs> he listened to this guy, you know, go off and and tell his, uh, spill, spill his uh, story. And then he, he told him, said, you listen to me. Said, uh, there's trouble in the world. There's real trouble and then there's inconvenience. And he said, uh, you've got inconvenience. <laughs> and... Um, so we don't realize sometimes some of the things. There's, 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 we've had real trouble. Now, don't get me wrong. In this, in our group, there's, there's some things that are real trouble. But let's be sure we, we separate them from the, um, the petty things that are just inconvenience. Um, I read about the, the uh, Coptic. Christians in Egypt. They're a religious minority in Egypt. They're, they're something like the, the Greek Orthodox Church, only they're, it's the Egyptian Orthodox Church. Though. They've been there for hundreds of years. Uh, they're, they're not Arabs. They're cops. And just 10 years ago, in 2013, a hundred churches or else Christian ministry buildings, a hundred of those were, were um, attacked by the Muslim majority people over, over a two-day period, a hundred churches. And uh, <clears throat> the thought was that probably the Muslims were trying to spark a, like a civil war and then they could kind of do away with these Christians. Well, the interesting thing, there there was not one reported incidence of retaliation about these attacks. And then how many remember in 2015, ISIS uh, killed, actually beheaded 21 men on a beach in Libya? Do you remember that? Um, 20 of those men were, were Coptic Christian. 
they were in Libya working as laborers to make money to try to support their families. And uh, there's a book out. I haven't read it. Um, a man wrote the story of, of, of these 20 men. And he actually went to, to, he went and lived with some of the families of these men in, in Egypt. Um, well, maybe, maybe their families were in Libya at the time. I, I don't know that detail. Anyway, he went and spent time with the families of these 21 men that were, that were murdered. And he was expecting to find the people that were bitter, that were angry, and he didn't. He said he couldn't get over. These people were at peace and it was almost like they were a little bit proud that, that their relative stood up and stood for the faith and, uh, was faithful to the end. So let's be sure when we get angry about, you know, let's, you know, don't get, don't get angry about a flat tire or, you know, that type of thing. That's an inconvenience. Let's keep the real trouble and the inconveniences uh, in a separate category. Let's look beneath the surface and find the underlying cause of anger. You know, sometimes the surface problem may just be a trigger for a deeper underlying sensitivity. And I think we need to do this when, as we look at other people, we need to do this for ourselves. When we feel a flash of anger that we know is going to be destructive anger if it gets loose, let's, let's dig a little deeper and say, what, what caused us to feel that way? Maybe it's a reaction to some trauma that we've had, uh, some trigger. Here's one thing I think we need to do. Validate the pain that causes the anger. This will bring better healing. Ignoring the pain and trying to skip over the feelings of anger in a situation will more than likely result in like an abscess somewhere that will come back to haunt you on a regular basis. Now Sharon is the grief share lady back there. When you talk to ladies, it isn't, isn't anger one of the steps of healing? It's kind of one of the early on steps. Yes. It's natural. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I should say this or not, Sharon. I, I heard her say once, or else she told Mary that she had a spell. She was mad at Irvin for going off and leaving her with all this stuff she had to deal with. These chicken houses and <laughs> now, do we think any less of her for that feeling? Now, we hope she don't feel that way today, <laughs> but it's part of the process. And I think too often <clears throat> in our Anabaptist uh, non-resistant circles where we don't want to, we're kind of like the Quakers, and we don't want to say anything, you know, that sounds negative. But sometimes we skip over allowing someone to process the healing that needs to happen. And, uh, you know, there may be some anger that needs to be worked through. And we can't 
just hurry it and say, hurry and forgive and get, you know, move on. And it's a process. If you haven't done the process, it'll stick. It'll stick in your being. And it won't go well with you. Now, we aren't made to carry anger long term. It'll destroy us and destroy those around us, too. I think one thing we need to do is recognize the sovereignty of God. We don't understand how God works, but he allows things. It's like uh, up the road here at Georgia Pacific. I used to go in there with wood. And you stopped by the scale house, and there was this bar that was there. And when the man in the scale house thought it was okay for you to come in, he'd push the button, and the bar would come up and went in. I like to think that God is that interested in our lives. And some of the things that get through and come in to bother you, to make you angry, hey, God God let that through the gate. Now, sometimes we bring things on ourselves, and we can't always decipher, you know, where all things come from. But I'm bothered when we get angry about things that, and we haven't thought about that. Maybe God has a larger purpose here somewhere that he's wanting to do, but we can't see it because we're mad about it. I want to read a uh, a little story here that illustrates this. <clears throat> I might not read it word for word, but... So there was this uh, father in Japan, and he had this son, and they, they farmed, and they, they would... Um, several times a year, they'd load up their old ox-drawn cart with vegetables, and go into the city to sell their produce. <clears throat> but even though these were father and son, they didn't have much in common. The old man, he believed in staying calm and you know, not forcing things and going with the flow a little bit. The, the younger one was the boy. He was always in a hurry, you know, push, push. And uh, so one morning, bright and early, they hitched up the ox to the cart, started on their journey. And the son said, you know, if we just walk a little faster and if we'd go all day and all night, we'd be to the market early the next morning and we could sell our things. And he kept poking the ox, trying to make it go faster. Well, from what I've heard, oxen only have like one speed. And the man said, the old man said, just take it easy, son. Uh, you'll last longer. But the son said, if we get to market ahead of the others, we'll have a better chance of getting good prices. And the dad didn't reply, and he pulled his hat down over his eyes, and he fell asleep on the seat. <clears throat> and the young man was irritated and getting angry, and he kept poking the ox, and the ox didn't go any faster. <clears throat> so four hours and four miles later down the road, that's slower than my combine. That's one mile an hour. <clears throat> They came to a little house. The father woke up, smiled, and said, here's your uncle's place. Let's stop in and say hello. And the boy said, we, well, we've lost so much time already. 
And then he said, well, then a few more minutes won't matter. My brother and I live so close, yet we see each other so seldom. So the boy fidgeted and fumed while the two old men laughed and talked away almost an hour. On the move again, the old man took his turn leading the ox. As they approached the fork in the road, the father led the ox to the right. The son uh, said, Dad, the left is the shorter way. I know it, replied the old man, but this way is much prettier. Have you no respect for time? The young man asked impatiently. Oh, I respect it very much. That's why I like to use it to look at beauty and enjoy each moment to the fullest. The winding path led through graceful meadows, wildflowers, and along a rippling stream, all of which the young man missed as he churned within, preoccupied and boiling with anger. He didn't even notice how lovely the sunset was that day. Twilight found them in what looked like a huge, colorful garden. The old man breathed into the aroma, listened to the bubbling brook, and pulled the ox to a halt. Let's sleep here, he sighed. This is the last trip I'm taking with you, snapped the son. You're more interested in watching sunsets and smelling flowers than in making money. And the old man said, why? That's the nicest thing you've said in a long time. A couple minutes later, he was snoring as the boy glared back at the stars. The night dragged slowly. The sun was restless. Before sunrise, the young man hurriedly shook his father awake. They hitched up and went on. About a mile down the road, they happened upon another farmer, a total stranger, trying to pull his cart out of a ditch. Let's give him a hand, said the old man. And lose more time, the boy exploded. Relax, son. You might be in a ditch sometime yourself. We need to help others in need. Don't forget that. The boy looked away in anger. It was almost 8 o'clock that morning by the time the other cart was back on the road. Suddenly, a great flash split the sky. What sounded like thunder followed. Beyond the hills, the sky grew dark. Looks like a big rain in the city, said the old man. If we had hurried, we'd we'd be almost sold out by now, grumbled his son. Take it easy, son. You'll last longer. You'll enjoy life so much more. It was late afternoon by the time they got to the hill overlooking the city. They stopped and stared down at it for a long, long time. Neither of them said a word. Finally, the young man put his hand on his father's shoulder and said, I see what you mean, Dad. They turned their cart around and began to roll slowly away from what had once been the city of Hiroshima. <coughs> now, I don't haven't verified whether that's a true story or not. But it does go to show that uh, the things God allows, let's not get angry and out of shape in he may have plans that to protect us in some other way or lead us somewhere. One thing I think we need to do also is channel our anger into something positive. Let it motivate us to some good action. Let's say something makes us angry, some injustice. Well, maybe there's something we could do about it. So that instead of... Uh, 
going on and getting to anger that's not um, that's not good, maybe it would help motivate us. You know, I'm going to do something in a positive way that will help that situation. Another thing we can do is learn to recognize our limits and practice removing ourselves from situations where we're afraid we'll be uh, tested beyond our endurance. So in closing, let's recognize if we're given to anger, if anger is something we struggle with every day, we probably have a problem, we probably have a heart problem. That's our heart is still too full of the flesh. And we have some further yielding to God's covenant that he wants to grow in our hearts, like we talked about last Sunday. And let's close with some positive verses. You know, this isn't just all about uh, how can we um, try really hard not to be angry when we shouldn't. But it's also about <clears throat> letting the fruit of the Spirit work in our lives. And just listen to these verses as I read them again. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. All right, here we get into the ones that we've been talking about today. Enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. What is the cure for these things? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So if we live by the Spirit, let's also walk by the Spirit. And these things that tend to bother us, cause us to be wrongfully angry, can be much, uh, can stay in the background. Let's let the fruit of the Spirit be the story of our lives. God bless.